I'm Barbara Walters, and this is 2020. Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 71, Thursday, January 2nd, 2020, and a very happy new year to you all. This is the first Doggy Juice Pod episode of the new year and the new decade, and thank you all for listening. In this episode, I will dive into the remaining college football bowl games. There's not many left. And offer some quick insight on the line for the national championship game between LSU and Clemson because I do have an opinion in that game. And then we will hear from our resident Doggy Juice Pod degenerate, the Danimal, to hear his thoughts on this weekend's card for college football in the NFL. And then I will break down the NFL wild card round matchups with four games on the docket this weekend to open up the NFL playoffs. Quickly, a congratulations to New Hampshire for becoming the 14th state to go live. I, I wrote an article, an end-of-the-year article for Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News, kind of summarizing where we're at, a, a little uh, legal snapshot, uh, where we're at entering the new decade in terms of state-by-state legalization. We've had 20 states, along with Washington, D.C., that have legalized sports betting entering the new decade. 14 have gone live with the addition of New Hampshire, which is the only state Um, interestingly, to be mobile only for sports betting. There's four of them where you can do brick-and-mortar betting only, and then um, nine of them you can do both. But um, New Hampshire becomes the first one where it's mobile only, which is very interesting. But be sure to check out that article because it kind of dives into what's happening and where we're at entering 2020. And we're going to have a few more states legalizing their own sports betting laws this year. And um, the six that have yet to launch, that have passed sports betting launch, including Illinois, are fully expected to do so this year. All right, let's start out the podcast with a look at the remaining college football bowl games. Tomorrow, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Ohio is an eight-point favorite against Nevada at Albertson Stadium in Boise, Idaho. That's a 2.30 central time kickoff on ESPN. I wrote about this game for Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News, so be sure to check that out. The big story in this game was the suspensions that were handed down to the Nevada players. Uh, There's also a pretty notable difference between these two teams when you look at some of the metrics, which I'm going to dive into a little bit here in a second. But um, so this line opened up Nevada, or sorry, Ohio minus six back when bowl game lines went up, but then on December 10th, December 11th, the line jumped up through a touchdown up to Ohio minus eight after the announcement of the suspensions for the Nevada players. Nevada got into a pretty bad brawl with UNLV after their last game of the regular season. And the suspensions were handed down to a few key Nevada defensive players. So you saw a corresponding jump on the total in this game as well. It opened 54, now it's in at 59. But Nevada is going to be missing three key players for the whole game, one player for half of the game. Two of them are defensive backs that are going to be starting defensive backs will be out one starting defensive end will be out for the whole game as well and then senior linebacker Gabriel Sewell will be out for the first half but he's eligible to play in the second half so obviously a lot of Ohio money came in on this one after those suspensions came down I think that was probably the sharp side anyway to begin with especially when you hear some of these metrics I'm about to dive into but not much value in in betting Ohio at minus eight here you kind of missed the boat I still think there's a tad of value there but nothing you know, it's not worth a play at more than a touchdown here, so it's going to be a wait and see for me. But when you dive into the numbers on these teams, there's a pretty big, stark difference between the Ohio offense and the Nevada defense. I guess the Nevada offense as well, because the Nevada offense is 
is um, number 115 in adjusted success rate. And defensively, this is one of the worst scoring teams of any bowl team. They're allowing opponents to average 33.8 points per game in the regular season, Nevada is. That's ranked number 104 in the nation. And contrast that with with Ohio offense that sits at number 18 in points per game in the country at 34.1. Contrast that with Nevada, their offense, number 106 in the country points per game, 21.5. So when you look at the resulting scoring margins of these teams, it's pretty noticeable. Bobcats, plus 6.5 scoring margin. That's ranked number 35 in the country. The Wolfpack, minus 12.3 scoring margin. That's ranked number 109. Nevada, they they had their biggest one of the year back in November. Their 17.5-point underdogs beat San Diego State outright. I believe 17-13 was the final score. That was their signature win. Ohio, obviously, they spent a lot of their year beaten up on pretty poor MAC teams, but their offensive numbers are very impressive. They're led by dual-threat quarterback Nathan Rourke. He's near the top of his, comp- his uh, conference at a lot of key passing categories that I wrote about in the article. Um, he's got 12 rushing touchdowns this year, 20 passing touchdowns. Really should have an easy time against this Nevada secondary, I would think, uh, in this game, especially a banged-up secondary missing um, their, those players due to the the suspension. So Ohio is definitely the only way I'd look in this one, especially when you consider some of those numbers involving them. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to get behind laying that many points. So I, uh, you know, th- for this game, just a pass, wait and see spot, but definitely lean Ohio. The Lockheed Martin armed forces bull on Saturday Tulane is a seven point favorite over Southern Mississippi. It's in Fort Worth, Texas, 1130 a.m. Central or sorry, Eastern time, 1030 a.m. Central time on ESPN. Tulane is at a much more difficult strength of schedule than Southern Miss this year. Tulane also has some pretty strong metrics this season as well. They're unlucky in one-score games this year. I believe one and four in those. At the same time, you can argue that Tulane may have overachieved this year as well. Um, but they, there has been an unusual amount of sharp action on the Green Wave before each week this year. I think we faded them at the right time and were on them at the right time this year on the Doggy Juice pod. But my numbers have this one right around where the game is, right, right around where the line for the game is, sorry. And and uh, so there's no play for me here. But anything less than a touchdown, I can't fault a play on Tulane. I'm going to be sitting this one out, though, uh, pre-flop at least. The Lending Tree Bowl on Monday, January 6th from Mobile, Alabama. Louisiana is a 14-point favorite against Miami of Ohio. Totals at 56, at least when I'm recording this on Thursday. That's where it sits. Um, UL Lafayette, they can win a program record 11th game with a win in this bowl game. They've been a great team under second-year coach Billy Napier. Um, And they're honestly like building up a pretty damn exciting offense under that guy, too. Pretty strong in a lot of offensive metrics. Ninth in the country in yards per play. Miami of Ohio, they're not even in the top 100 in yards per play. And then in yards per play margin, Lafayette or Louisiana Lafayette is in the top 15, while Miami of Ohio isn't even in the top 80. Uh, Miami of Ohio was, they were the MAC champions. They're about to face an offense that they have not seen before, though. And the fact that Miami of Ohio is 5 0, they're 5 0 in one score games this year kind of shows how lucky they've been, just how lucky they are just to be here in the first place. But I really think the, the explosive Louisiana offense here is just going to have its way with, with Miami of Ohio. So my numbers are close to where this, you know, this game is at 14, so I'm 
Probably not going to lay the points in this spot. I usually hate laying double digits anyway, but that's the only way I'd look here is laying the points with Louisiana, uh, especially if you can get it at lower than 14. All right. I'm also going to talk about the college football playoff really quickly. Um, at least the look-ahead line, because the line was posted, obviously, after the semifinal matchups last weekend. And LSU opened up a favorite, which was predictable, especially after how they beat down Oklahoma. They've been world beaters recently. But this line was driven up, and now you're looking at fives, five-and-a-halves. LSU minus five, minus five-and-a-half on the marketplace. And there is it's clearly a spot where it's Clemson or pass. And the public's going to be all over LSU in this spot. Public remembers Clemson's slow start against Ohio State as well. Um, it's definitely Clemson or pass here. I, I love taking them in this spot. And this is actually a rare chance for me because I usually don't get to bet on these bigger games where the, the lines are really sharp and, and um, you know, you see good two-way action on these big national title games and stuff. And sometimes you get a couple value angles, but not till like later on, like a favorite money line or something like that. But here, there's pretty clear value on my stuff on, on Clemson here, uh, especially if this, if this gets up to seven. It would be pretty wild. I actually did scoop up some plus seven at minus one thirty-five today. I found that. I also found money line at plus two hundred in this one. Locked that up today as well, which is pretty insane. I do have LSU favorite in this game. I have it at two LSU two. Uh, so I do think that they win the game outright, but at plus two hundred odds on the money line on Clemson, that's just an auto take for me. It's going to be a hell of a game. We got the number one defense in Clemson, according to my stuff, against the number one offense in LSU. Both teams are very strong in in all categories. Can't help but think that Dabo Sweeney and his guys, they've been in the spot before, so you can bank on them not feeling the pressure of the moment as much. You can't say the same thing about LSU, the LSU the way they've been playing. I mean, no one can stop them. But Clemson defense against this LSU offense is going to be the most interesting matchup in this game. Trevor Lawrence, people forget for Clemson, he hasn't he's yet to lose a start in his career. And if this game was played a month ago, it would have been close to a pick'em for anybody, including on my stuff. So it's just a classic recency bias spot where everybody remembers what they saw last with LSU. Joe Burrow looks incredible, but if you're going to give me Clemson with the better defense and Trevor Lawrence, Dabo Sweeney, guys that have been there before, team that I had power rated over LSU for most of the season, if you're going to give me Clemson, you're going to give me this many points, I will gladly take it. If this gets up to 7 minus 110, we're going to have a great bet on Clemson. I still think it's a good bet at where it is. I, what I would do right now is definitely take part of a position on Clemson at you know 5.5, Five, it's relatively dead numbers anyway, but anything over four, I mean, just it's you got to take some of it right now, I think. Don't know, really know where this one's going to go. I could see it ticking back down. I think once it hits seven at any point, sharp money will come in, but it's hard to project with these national title games. So I would definitely lock in a little bit of a Clemson position right now. Really, anything three or better on my stuff is, is worth a look uh, in that game, but no matter what it is, and I'm going to be saying this in next week's pod as well, it's clearly a dog or pass spot in the national title game. All right, before I jump into NFL wildcard weekend talk, we have a, a special visit from the resident doggy juice pod degenerate, the Danimal. Let's hear what he's got to say. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, the Danimal. Long, long time. I know. But... Got the call from the juice. He needed winners. I got winners. Tomorrow, Friday, I'm not working. Bowl game, Ohio, over 58-59. They're playing Nevada. This game, points. They won't stop scoring. I won't stop winning. This is an easy, easy over. 
NFL Wild Card Weekend. It's here, and it's great. The Bills Mafia. I've rode them all year. Why not one more time? Take the points, get in three, a little juicy, eat it, sprinkle, sprinkle the money line. I think they eat up Watson. He gets sacked all the time. Bills offense, average, but I think it's good enough. Close game, Bills Mafia wins in Houston. Other game I like, Sunday, Seahawks. Eagles stink. I don't care. Yes, I'm biased, Giants fan. Eagles stink. Seattle, been a lot of close games, I know. I know, West Coast team, going East, all that. They're 7-1 on the road. They have a better quarterback. I'll take Russ in a close one. I just, Eagles stink. I don't care. Seahawks win on the road. I'm taking both road teams. I think the Vikings might be getting a little too many points, but I'm not betting against the Saints. I'm not betting against the Patriots, even though I think they stink. So Bills plus three, a little sprinkle, sprinkle, and Seahawks minus one, two on the road. And that is it. Have a good one, everybody. All right. Thank you, Danimal. Although we're going to be oppo in that Seattle-Philadelphia game. I'll explain why in a moment. Let's jump into the NFL wildcard matchups. The playoffs begin this weekend in the NFL, and we have some mouth-watering matchups and also some value on the betting board. Some quick nuggets before I jump into the actual games. The last 14 3-6 6 matchups in the wildcard round, 13-0-1 to the under, and the road team has covered eight in a row. The under trend is especially interesting because early money was all over the over in these matchups early on, and pretty big time, too. I'll explain some of those numbers soon when I go through each game, but... Another interesting trend, and this is courtesy of Follow the Money, that show on VEASAN, uh, where I heard it. Teams laying seven or more at home in the wildcard round are on a, an 11-1 and one straight up and 10-2 and two against the spread run. And this is obviously a very small sample size, but recently if you choose the correct winner in wildcard games on the spread, you also likely choose the outright winner because the outright winner has a point spread record of 45-1 and one against the spread. That's 40 wins, five losses, one push against the spread in the last 46 wildcard games. Historically, the more battle-tested teams perform better in wildcard weekend, so definitely look at the team with a strong, stronger uh, strength of schedule. And one other thing before I dive into these matchups, and I wrote about this one for Bet Chicago Bet Indiana News. Check it out, uh, the wildcard preview, but I kind of touch on more of the reasoning for this, why it's better to do a money line rollover um, instead of a straight futures bet at the start of the playoffs. So if you're like, if you're looking at a team, you want to back them to win the Super Bowl, almost always your payout is going to be higher and probably even a lot higher um, if you end up just betting them on the money line and then rolling them over in the very next game. So starting this week, if you like someone, take them on the money line, and then next week if they win, you know if, if they lose, it's just like making that futures bet. It's a little tougher with with favorites to lay it early on, so you probably have to lay less of a price, but. Um, Take the money you would have bet on the future, bet the team on the money line. If they win, roll over the initial investment and your winnings in the next week and keep doing that. There's a lot of reasons to keep doing it because, first of all, you're going to get better odds. You're going to get a way better payout. This is like not breaking news. People should know this, but 
the best part is you could just get out at any time. So, you know, if you don't like the line later on, you know, if your team does make it to the Super Bowl and you don't like the line, maybe you can look to just enjoy your money, enjoy your winnings at that point. That's that's one thing. But um, you don't need them to come through in every stage. So if there's a big injury as well, you know, some top quarterback, top player goes down and screws over the line or something, then you have that equity already because you've already earned the money instead of needing the team to go all the way to cash the ticket. That's the way I'd look, but for the main reason, you're just going to get a better payout by going Moneyline rollover. All right, let's start out with the matchups now. The Texans are a two-and-a-half point favorite against the Bills. The total jumped from a 38-and-a-half opener up to 44 at the time of this recording on Thursday. The Texans also opened at minus three, but that's two-and-a-half. Buffalo is coming off its first 10-win season since 1999. The Bills have known for weeks that they're locked into that number five seed in the AFC, so uh, Coach Sean McDermott has essentially had three weeks to prepare his team for this game. They're number four in defensive DVOA. They're going up against, obviously, a high-powered offense with Deshaun Watson, but Watson, he was struggling down the stretch. Uh, He threw five picks in his final three games of the regular season, didn't play in his team's last games, and there might be some rust as well. And the Texans are 2-6 and against the spread in their eight home games this year as well. At the same time, Houston is trying to avenge its loss to the Colts in the same game last year. This game was also at home for Houston. Buffalo's pass, pass rush, though, very strong, and Houston runs an offense with a lot of longer routes for the receivers. So I think that's going to be a genuine issue for them to protect Watson in this spot. Really makes you like Buffalo, but at the same time, the money's coming in on Buffalo. The line's moved below a field goal, essentially saying that the market thinks that the Bills are a better team with typical home field being worth three points. But still my lean here, I mean, numbers-wise, my lean is to the Texans laying less than a field goal. But I do respect the Bills and what they've done on the road this year. They beat Pittsburgh and, and the Cowboys on the road. So I'm, I'm not going to go up against the Danimal in this spot either. I know he likes the Bills here. But I do lean Houston just on my numbers. But it's a, a wait and watch for live betting, uh, for me at least, at this point going into that first game. The Patriots... Laying five and a half points against the Titans. Some spots are even at minus five. New England, they're 20, 20 to one or higher to win the Super Bowl for the first time in over a decade. This is also the first time the Patriots have had to play in a wild card round game since 2009. In the playoffs, when Bill Pelichick's, uh, when his teams are facing a team that they didn't face in the regular season, they're 15, two and one against the spread, 16 and two straight up in that spot, but this is a matchup between two teams that have literally been trending in the opposite directions in the second half of the year. The Titans, they led the league in yards per play for the most part over the second half of the season after Tannehill took over at quarterback for Marcus Mariota. The Patriots, they've been the worst team in the AFC East since week 10. Look it up. It's fucking crazy. But at the same time, do we really want to bet against Brady and Belichick in this spot? I definitely don't, especially when you look at recent years, their first home playoff game. Uh, On the flip side of that, though, do we really trust Brady to all of a sudden just turn it around here? I don't. When you look at his numbers down the stretch, he was was terrible down the stretch. I think in in QBR, when you look at just QBR alone, he was below league average almost every game in the second half of the season. So it's a tough spot, and when you're handicapping stuff like this, it really comes down to your weighting. If you're weighting more recent stuff more heavily, then the Titans are probably going to be your side here. But if you're looking at more season-long stuff and, and use priors a little more, then there's more value in the Patriots, which is the case for my stuff. The Patriots show a little bit of line value here, 
because this line's essentially saying that they're only like a point or two better than the Titans. And when you look at everything and, and just factor all the factors in, or all the variables in, I do have the Patriots as slightly more than, than a six-point favorite here, but it's going to be nothing for me pre-flop in this one. Uh, I'm not going to touch it. It's set up to be an ideal live betting candidate for me because I could see myself live betting on the Patriots, especially with that defense if they have a, an early lead. But nothing pre-flop. Totals, total-wise, this one jumped up from 41.5 to 44. So if you're trying to bet the over, you're pretty late to the party as well. I did not get involved in that. I made the game 43.5 myself. A lot of that just being pretty down on the Patriots' offense. But this does have the potential to, to definitely go over the total if the Patriots can figure it out because the Titans can move the ball even against that Patriots' defense. So an interesting game, but nothing pre-flop for me in that one. Moving on to Sunday, the NFC. I kind of like how they do it this year, the AFC on Saturday and the NFC on Sunday. The Saints start off the day as an 8.5. I'm even seeing some 8s. Um, eight and a half point favorite against the Vikings. The total in this one's been bet up from 46 to as high as 49 and a half in some spots. And overbetters have cashed at five of the Saints' last seven games and six of Minnesota's last eight and in all of the Vikings' last five road games. Uh, New Orleans, they have a chance to avenge the Minneapolis miracle from two years ago. Anyone remembers that Diggs catch? Uh, I was pretty happy about that one because I was on the Vikings' money line, so that saved the day for me. The Saints are peaking at the right time here, and it's hard to trust the Vikings. I have liked the Vikings I all season long. I thought they were underrated by the market. I, I bet their season went total over. I even have a Super Bowl ticket on them. I believe that it was like 25 or 30 to 1, which is ironically, like, you know, I think it's even worse now. But um, it's hard to trust the Vikings here because Delvin Cook looks like he's still a little banged up. Phelan doesn't look like anything like the same player he was since coming back from that injury. And it's hard to count on digs in this spot, too. I think this line's spot on on my stuff. But the Saints are an excellent teaser option this week if you could tease them down through the key numbers of 7-3 and three on a 6.2-teamer, as long as you're not paying too much VIG. Hopefully you're reading, uh, hopefully you read and we're reading my teaser of the week articles for Bet Chicago Bet Indiana News where I kind of touched on the reasoning, the Stanford 1 teaser, the old advantage play. you really got to watch out for your vigorish on those. Don't, don't ever bet those unless it's minus 120 or less on um, the juice, but the Saints are an excellent teaser candidate. You could tease them down to minus one and a half, minus two here, even minus two and a half. Anything under three is a great teaser option. Just basically ask them to win this game outright at home. And the other leg of that teaser, I will touch on here in a second. But pre-flop in this game, nothing, just because I have the line almost exactly where it is. The final game of the wild card round, the Seahawks are a point and a half favorite on the road in Philadelphia against the Eagles. Seeing some two and a halves out there today, actually, anything between one and a half and two and a half. I'm on the Eagles here. I would need three plus three to really hit it hard for you know, full full unit position, but I did take some money line already. I found a rogue plus 125 today, which is really nice because it looks like the prevailing market number is plus 115, plus 110, which is still good. Uh, in my opinion, in this game. The line flipped after opening Philly minus one. The Eagles were the favorite, and I agree with that line, but the market did not, and the public did not. I don't agree with the, the market move, public and animal, all over the Seahawks here. And I get it. I mean, the, the Eagles are ravaged by injuries. It looks like Ertz is a huge question mark as well. It's been a patchwork um, 
I guess it has been patchwork for the Eagles in their skill positions the past few weeks, but they've got it done. But the Seahawks are dealing with the same thing. Both these teams are dealing with some big injuries. Both of them are dealing with cluster injuries at the running back position. And the Eagles, yeah, it's been worse for them, but they're really going to have the home crowd behind them here. These two teams did meet earlier this year. Seattle won 17-9 in Philly, but I feel like Philly still is the side in the spot. If they get Ertz back and he starts this game, you also got to pay attention to the status of Lane Johnson, the Eagles' best offensive lineman. But Philly, they have the number two, uh, the second best rushing defense in the league, and in my opinion, a pretty clear coaching advantage in this one as well. So anything getting points is good here, plus three, like I said, for something really good. But money line, nothing wrong with that. I think Philly does win this game outright. I have about minus one point two on my stuff. So not the crazy value catching, you know. Plus one and a half, plus two and a half, anything under a field goal with them, but definitely worthy of money line play. Um, and then obviously plus three, be on the lookout if those show up. But they are a perfect teaser option. Pair them with the Vikings, tease the Eagles up through the key numbers of three and seven up to plus seven and a half, plus eight, up to you know, plus eight and a half. Some spots you can actually get that teaser. Saints down to minus one and a half, Eagles up to plus eight and a half through the key numbers. I did it at minus one ten, which is amazing, but make sure you stop or you shop around for the best lines and you're not paying too much VIG on those teasers. But the Sunday wildcard doggy juice teaser special, the Saints down to minus one and a half, and the Eagles up to plus eight and a half. All right, that is gonna do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. Thank you very much for listening. As always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. Be sure to check out Bet Chicago, Bet Indiana News for tons of excellent betting content that we have up on those sites to help you find winners. Thank you for listening, and as always, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a review. I'll be back next week with more NFL playoff breakdown and more college hoops. Happy New Year to everyone. Good luck with your bets, and I'll talk to you all soon. Doggy Juice out.